Hey to all you fish enthusiasts out there. Whether you're an avid angler or just curious about fish, we'd like to welcome you to Fish of the Week. It's Monday, July 5th, 2021, and we're excited to talk about all the fish. I'm Katrina Liebrich with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service in Alaska. And I'm Guy Uro, a recreational fish photographer. Today's fish is the Arctic grayling, which is a striking fish. It's got a sail-like fin, and we've got a really special guest with us today. We've got Joanne Bryant, who's a tribal communications and outreach specialist with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service based here in Fairbanks, Alaska. Hey, Joanne. Hi. I will begin by introducing myself in a traditional Gwich'in way and translate it and share my land acknowledgement. My name is Joanne Bryant and my given Gwich'in name is Titsuhtai, meaning following grandma's path. My parents are late Kais Peter Sr. and Josephine Peter. My grandparents are late James and Maggie Gilbert. I am from Arctic Village and my tribe is Kujanat Baskin. Also, I like to acknowledge the lower Tenana at Baskin tribe, the two, meaning straight water, for being on their homeland and thanking them for their unique stewardship of this wonderful valley, Fairbanks, Alaska, in which I reside. I am the Tribal Communication and Outreach Specialist for External Affairs, Fish and Wildlife Service, and been with the service for 21 years. What I bring to the table is our Alaska Native perspective and culture, among many tasks I tackle every day. My best friend and husband of 20 years is Robert Bryant. We are accompanied by our four wonderful little birds. Thank you, Joanne. Today, we are talking about Arctic grayling, like we mentioned and, you know, we usually try to help people get a visual of what the fish looks like that we're speaking about. So would you be able to just describe an Arctic grayling for us, like what it looks like if you have one in hand? So in Gujan language, we call grayling shita. Grayling has a rainbow colored reflection with beautiful fins. It is such a beautiful fish, but it is also really good to eat and very nutritious. What are the uses of grayling in Gwich'in culture? Uses in Gwich'in culture is that the throat piece of the grayling is used for fish bite. You can cut off the small piece of throat and put it on a hook to catch more fish. Replace the bite every five fish because the smell is what attracts the grayling to the hook. Another use is the grayling bag made from the grayling skin. And I will share the process. The process of skin preparation can vary from maker to maker, but the general principle is that after the meat of the fish is removed for eating, the skin are scraped to remove excess flesh and fat. It is then soaked in the urine. The ammonia in urine is good at removing fat, oil, and prevent decay. Skin is rinsed and could be rubbed with fat, or oil such as fish oil or animal brain, both to soften and to tan the skin. After drying, the skin has to be physically manipulated and to make them softer and more flexible. 
the more the skin is manipulated, the softer they become. Sometimes the skin are also smoked and dried outside in winter, which freeze dry them, making the skin paler and more durable. The grayling skin is then sewed into a bag. The five fish skin depends on the size of the bag. is sewed with caribou skin on the bottom and top, and the beads is sewn intricately on top of the bag, along with the skin handle. It is a beautiful piece, and the process is time-consuming. The fish bag is generally made during the spring ice fishing season when it is fresh and plentiful. Today, it is not being practiced, but the story is shared among the Kuchin people of how the Kuchin women sewed grailing skin bag to put their belongings and carry proudly. So you can, you eat the fish and then you can actually create additional things with the fish. That's really neat. Um, are grailing especially good for doing that with, or are there other fish that's done with as well? Uh, as far as I know, uh, they use white fish as well in my area. So uh, they uh, make bags out of the skin. So, Joanne, when you're going about trying to cook these grayling, what methods do you prefer to use? So, I love to cook grayling fanned out on a willow stick and grill to the campfire with fish grease dripping while it is cooking slowly. After it is done cooking, I take it off the stick and put it on a plate with a little salt and pepper for seasoning and slowly eat the grayling topped with onions and potatoes. That's my favorite way. <laughs> Wow, that sounds delicious, Joanna. What exactly does it taste like when you uh, get it all seasoned up like that? Oh, it's very delicious. It's uh, soft and kind of a little bit, uh, you know, after you uh, cook something to charcoal, you know, it's nice and crispy. And with the dripping uh, fish oil, it's even better. And it's healthier for you. Also, one of the favorites of the grayling is the head, eggs, and guts. It is a delicacy and is often eaten by the elders to stay healthy and strong. So, Joanne, you're, you have a really interesting and important job with the Fish and Wildlife Service. You know, growing up in Alaska and now serving this role at the Fish and Wildlife Service, we'd like to know a little bit more just about what you do and what that interface is like between your job and your community. My job is to work with um, Alaska Native tribes across Alaska in many different capacity of issues and projects. And we just completed an online training This training is to help employees to understand and work more closely with the tribes. Uh, We share a lot of practices and culture, cross-cultural communication. And then also in addition to that, I work closely with Arctic Youth Ambassador, Native Youth Community Adaptation and Leadership Congress, Yukon River Tribal Youth, Salmon outreach efforts, uh, walrus issues with um, <clears throat> the coastal communities, polar bear handicraft back sheets, 
a lot of times uh, I assist, you know, uh, like folks folks coming in from outside and they contact me and they ask about Arctic Village. And so I share a lot of my uh, culture and practices because, again, a lot of them are new to the state. And so I just uh, make sure that they're following the uh, protocols. And uh, and then once they get on site, I sure I connect them with the local folks to make sure that uh, their trip is, you know, safe and uh, they, you know, they get to do what they go there for. So, um, for example, like... Um, I would connect them with my uncle Trimble and he would take them upriver to a fishing site. And then he showed them how, you know, how to fish, like netting, reeling. And then he uh, shared with them, you know, how to cut the fish, how to cling it, and how to cook it. We know you've got a story about fishing with your grandpa and we'd love to hear... Um, yeah, your experience growing up fishing for grayling with your grandpa. So this is the story of my grandpa David, whom I went ice fishing for many years. And um, I always remember this one because it was special to me, spending that time with grandpa. Growing up in a rural community of Arctic Village, living a subsistence way of life included a schedule of daily tasks. Fish was and still is one of the major food sources that we depend upon for survival. During winter and spring fishing season, I helped my family in the community by ice, reel, and net fishing for many different fishes in rivers, streams, and lakes. My favorite fish is Arctic grayling. My fondest memory was in springtime. My grandpa David used to take us ice fishing up around the bend at our favorite ice fishing spot called Washington Oh, it's about one mile upriver with ponds and creeks along the way. Right after school, we run home and let our parents know we are going ice fishing with Grandpa David. They make sure we are dressed properly and off we go to Washington Once we arrive at the site, Grandpa has everything ready for ice fishing. He is equipped with all his fishing gears and necessities, including his hat full of hooks. He constructed a small stick out of a willow with a hook and bite attached. Then he chopped holes on the ice with an axe, removed the axis ice, and is ready for fishing. We put old can next to the ice hole with spruce tree branches on top for seeding. We sit there for hours fishing quietly, listening to ice cracking, and people softly talking and laughing as we were reeling in rainbow reflective grailing one by one. Sometimes we catch about 50 grailing, and we put about five fish on a willow. Then we carry back to the village and distribute it to the elders and family in need. They really appreciate it. Meanwhile, Grandpa comfortably sit by the campfire drinking hot tea and cooking fish over the hot charcoal. He nicely fillets and fan out the fish, cooking on a stick by the campfire with 
fish grease slowly dripping and on the side he got fish hit and guts cooking in the frying pan. The sparks are flying and the aroma of fish is in the air. We feel the chill and gather near the campfire and open a neatly foiled tin filled with hot seasoned grilling with potatoes and onions still sizzling. It was so delicious. We quietly eat our fish and enjoy the company of our grandpa David telling old stories. Thank you, Joanne. That was a really nice story. It's neat how fish can really kind of form memories around that whole experience. So we really appreciate you sharing that with us. Did you guys mostly ice fish or did you do some fishing during the summer months as well for grayling? The grayling, we only fish during uh, springtime. That's when it's biggest and the freshest. So grayling are one of these iconic fishes from the northern part of the world. And I know that there's lots of people who travel up to Alaska specifically to look for these fish. Is there anything uh, that these folks who aren't from Alaska can do uh, to learn more about grayling and to learn more about your people and how they interact with grayling? They can look online. But a lot of time we try not to put our altered practices online because we don't get bombarded with people. <laughs> you know, this this story here and our practices, I don't share very often because um, this belongs to the Kuchin people. But in this particular situation, I'm sharing it because um, I want the uh, new, new folks that are coming up to understand how we, uh, you know, we don't catch and release. When the Kuchin people go fishing, they don't fish all at one time they just only fish for what they need and that's how the fish animal birds they all come back every year so joanne thank you again for sharing your stories with us and for talking with us today um we really appreciate it um and um i'm glad to be sharing my uh grandpa david's story Because, again, it's very special to me, and I just want to say that if you could fish with your grandpa, you know, and have similar memories, that would be just super. (laughs) That's very nice. Thank you, Joanne. And we hope everybody gets out there and enjoys all the fish. Thanks for listening to Fish of the Week. My name is Katrina Liebich, and my co-host is Guy Iro. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Racecar. The show is produced by David Hoffman, co-produced and story edited by Charlotte Moore. Post-production by Garrett Tiedemann. Fish of the Week is a production of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Alaska Region, Office of External Affairs. As the service reflects on 150 years of fisheries conservation, we honor, thank, and celebrate the whole community, individuals, tribes, the state of Alaska, our sister agencies, fish enthusiasts, scientists, and others who have elevated our understanding and love as people and professionals of all the fish.